Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished uh, technology entrepreneur, come professor, Mr. Ravi Shankar from India. Ravi, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashutosh. I'm glad to be uh, part of this uh, interaction and discussion going forward. Thank you. Uh, Ravi, uh, or I should have said Dr. Ravi Shankar. Ravi is a visiting professor for artificial intelligence and machine learning and is a venture partner. He has mentored agribusinesses and ag tech startups for over three decades. And uh, he is a teacher, mentor, and advisor. So Ravi, let's now talk about agribusinesses and ag tech startups. What would you say are three of the key issues or challenges most agriculturists in India face today? Uh, uh, okay. Um, when you say agriculturists, you mean the farmers? Farmers. Farmers. Okay. farmers. Yeah. The, um, they, 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 um, uh, farmers, uh, you know, the, if you look at the uh, our country landscape, mm-hmm. it's structurally um, you know, very uh, different from most others in the sense that 90, almost 90% of our farmers are smallholders, i.e. they have uh, one to two to three acres land holding uh, size on an average. Uh, that's one part of the problem, mm-hmm. um, but but um, we'll come to that in a bit. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, they also face a lot of risks, mm-hmm. right? Uh, both I would categorize them into two buckets, biotic and abiotic. Mm-hmm. When I say this, if I may elaborate for a few seconds, yeah. so right from climate, weather, rainfall, uh, and all of that, temperature, moisture, humidity, et cetera, right. et cetera, mm-hmm. all the way to market risks, you know, mm-hmm. the price, you're not sure. So the farmer's life is fraught with risk. Many, mm-hmm. many decades back, years back, we say that uh, Indian farmer's life is a gamble with the monsoon. But Correct. now you can add, uh, along with monsoon, market price, input, output, everything is a gamble. Mm-hmm. But having said that, in the last few years, there's been a systematic uh, effort by both the center and the state because ultimately agriculture is a state subject, it's right. not, not the central subject. So the center formulates policies, but the state has to implement it at the village level. Mm-hmm. So I think there's been a lot of progress, a lot of tech solutions are coming uh, that, that could solve the structural issues. Mm-hmm. And the structural issues are very vexed. It's not easy to solve at the scale that, that, that we are in India. Right. Six and a half lakh villages, but long story cut short, I think um, uh, the, the market risks, the weather risk, the climate risks are two major challenges for for farmers today in India. Mm. Yep. Very fascinating. And uh, you know, you've been working on technology, you know, AI, ML, and a lot of other technology. How are you using technology to mitigate the risks that you have just spoken about? Right. Yeah, I think uh, that's that's uh, one potent solution, and it holds a lot of promise. And mm-hmm. we can see, we are seeing some early green shoots mm-hmm. uh, where uh, you know all the concepts have been validated, and uh, I can see that um, the startups who come up with such innovative solutions, which I will outline, I'll give two three examples sure. um, uh, for the benefit of the audience, is that um, that the, they have been implemented and farmers have started start begin to use it. So what are these? So one of the um, uh, uh, nicest things that I can think of is, you know, uh, look at insurance, right? So one of the biggest ways to mitigate risk is through covering farmers uh, with, with insurance. Correct. Now, we know that pa- farmers cannot afford to pay insurance. Mm. But yeah, uh, so one of the um, non-for-profits that I'm associated called as Gram Patshala. 
mm-hmm. is exactly doing this. We are tied up with our 25 insurance companies at the back. Mm-hmm. We are sitting with their product design teams and we are coming up with new micro chassis affordable accessible insurance products mm-hmm. uh, which the farmers don't have to pay which will be bundled with the inputs whether it's fertilizers seeds uh, you know the technology solutions that everybody is wanting to sell to the farmers mm-hmm. so that way it is frictionless and embedded a uh, it reduces the cost of uh, doing business which is you know increasingly becoming tougher and unsustainable for small holders right, right from seed insurance to weather insurance to yield insurance all of that is covered to farm mm. equipments to even animals livestock mm. everything and any everything can be but it requires a new um uh, unconventional bold approach based on using satellite data at one right. level mm-hmm. and sensor data at the farm level mm-hmm. so if you superimpose satellite imagery data and sensor data sensors becoming damn cheap you know everybody can afford now right. and small holders can afford it so you you superimpose these two data sets and you know what you have micro insurance that is affordable and accessible okay. maybe something like 300 rupees you know what mm. and you know what the farmer doesn't have to pay for it you know so uh, that's the beauty this is one great example i can think where we can really mitigate the risk that is mm-hmm. associated with farming okay. the second one is let's look at something on the output side right so mm. you know we all know that farmers grow mm. right whether scientifically or most of the time um, in their own ways mm. so Uh, any commodity maybe coffee potato wheat rice mm. tomatoes whatever he or she is growing mm. the the rubber meets the road when he or she harvests and then he has he or she has to sell correct and there are multiple ways right there are markets there are b2b players there are aggregators mm. all of that but the biggest thing is the quality right the price that you would command in the market whether b2b b2c or through government mandates or to private mandates a lot of liberalization farm reforms have taken place in the last few years but what price i will command depends upon a the supply and demand situation which is mm-hmm. beyond my individual control as a farmer mm-hmm. uh, to the quality of produce that i'll be uh, uh, cultivating and getting into the market so i have to grade my produce so the, 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 this this so there's this um, startup called as intello labs mm-hmm. right now intello labs is funded by omnivore mm-hmm. right it's a, it's a it's a well-known agri tech vc right they have, they have been in, uh, in, in around for for four five years and they come with this wonderful solutions where you use computer vision mm-hmm. um and uh, uh, convolutional neural nets mm-hmm. right that's the machine learning part mm-hmm. to to scan the produce at scale right otherwise imagine human eyes let's say you have got in a market 20 tons of tomatoes can you mm-hmm. go and look at each crate or each fruit it's impossible right, right? Mm-hmm. that's how people is to do it manually but now you have got this wonderful automation using computer vision and uh, convolutional neural net technology mm-hmm. where it scans produce whether it's tomato cereals grains mm-hmm. coffee you name it and there are a few other firms also which are coming up but intello labs is a fine example of how mm-hmm. they are able to solve what is a, a, a automated inefficient drudgery kind of a process into mm-hmm. highly automated uh, scalable affordable and accurate solution mm-hmm. so that you can grade the produce and then get the right price that you deserve to get at the first mm-hmm. yeah. so two examples i can go on on till the cows Very come home but yeah but tell me you know uh, one of the other things that i was reading about i'm not uh, an expert in this area but i was also reading that one of the problems is that productivity Uh, of farms across the country is very different yes and you know there are multiple inputs to productivity right how is technology changing productivity for farmers 
yeah big way big way uh, ultimately you know agriculture is a democratic process right, right. any farmer can grow anything and do whatever he or she wants mm. a true democracy that way yeah. uh, but but having said that let me give some examples again uh, the best it's best understood by taking a practical uh, yeah. illustration mm-hmm. so you know uh, when it comes to productivity uh, which is yield per acre ultimately that's mm-hmm. the key metric for a farmer mm-hmm. uh, which is a proxy for the income he or she will get eventually right. is mm-hmm. india unfortunately is uh, if you take any crop right from rice wheat to uh, horticultural crops to plantation crops to coffee to 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 potatoes tomatoes to mm-hmm. cereals mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately india has been at the lower end of the spectrum when it comes to productivity right and if you take likewise china for example right there are large amount of small holders there also unlike us and australia where you have large mm-hmm. farmers uh, but china has some of the highest productivity levels how come mm. one acre of paddy will give you 3x the output same farmer here will get 1x mm-hmm. so there are a lot of reasons why productivity is low but how the more important thing is how technology has enabled to improve productivity in the last few okay. years maybe a decade or two so the biggest component that goes into productivity if you're looking at agriculture is seed right the quality of the germplasm the seed that you sow mm. matters a lot right so uh, studies research studies have indicated that 25 to 30% of the total factor productivity as we call tfp in mm. econometric term uh, is constituted a, a portion by the seed mm-hmm. so the quality of seed determines 30% of your output okay then the package of practices then irrigation then the chemicals then the nutrients then mm. management blah 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 but seed 30% of your output is accounted by the quality of the germplasm so now right. look at it there are a lot of public sector research institutes as well as private seed companies who are producing and distributing and marketing quality seeds mm. but the question is that you know uh, there should be there is regulation on the quality of seed but then on ground this uh, implementation is 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 a long way to go so but day in day out especially in the public sector uh, whether it's icer or state agriculture universities Mm-hmm. they do wonderful research and they're coming up with newer uh, yielding varieties newer hybrids mm-hmm. uh, which will give more output for the same input or lesser inputs uh, but the thing is that then marketing is done by the private uh, industry mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and there that's where you know the government has to the state government has to keep a hawk eye on the quality control right. of seed that is mm-hmm. that's one the other way to improve productivity is let's take irrigation you know without water right. nothing that you are no farmer can do much mm-hmm. uh, so therefore this drip irrigation right what we say more uh, more yield per drop mm-hmm. not acre per drop right. of water Correct. you know the biggest scarcity that we will we will uh, kind of encounter as human kind is uh, water scarcity going right. forward mm-hmm. so therefore drip irrigation technology which kind of you know, the israelis kind of uh, propounded and uh, finished it Mm-hmm. and uh, it's been around for 30 40 years 50 years but then now i see widespread adoption of drip irrigation technologies i uh, i as opposed to 100 liters i can do it in 1 liter wow. right you know what and it is targeted at the roots of the crop and you know there are sensors which tells you stop this much is enough as opposed to flooding the the the, the plots that's what mm-hmm. uh, conventional way it's been done right uh, so therefore i think drip irrigation technology is a great example of how to improve productivity using mm-hmm. less water mm-hmm. at the same time similarly you have a lot of uh, other solutions like for example today with all the era of uh, chemical free organic 
mm. um, ecologically safe, uh, consumption uh, perspective, nutritionally enhanced. So you have this bio nano fertilizers, right? Okay. Bio nano fertilizers. Mm. And earlier you need, like say, 10 kgs of urea, DAP and backs, right? So mm. it's huge quantity of chemicals that you throw at the crop so that, you know, it gets the nutrients. Mm. But now you have this nano fertilizers, which are bio fertilizers. All you need is a liter, a small little of bottle and okay. you spray it, you know, it does the job of, you know, uh, 10, 20, 30, 50 kgs of fertilizers that you're otherwise doing it. Mm. And you know what you spray it by a drone because one of the biggest other problems that I see is mm. labor scarcity, mm. right? You don't get the right labor and the right amount and type of labor in rural India. Mm. Uh, this is becoming a complex problem. So therefore you just take a drone, you get precision, you get accuracy of spray, you get uh, uh, a lower cost and faster. So these are the three great examples that I can think of how to improve productivity. Fascinating. Fascinating. So Ravi, you also spoke about seeds. Yep. And a question that comes to my mind is that this big uh, debate that keeps happening on the uh, genetically modified seeds. Um, for our viewers and listeners, tell us uh, what are the real challenges of GM? And are they, you know, in your opinion, are they good or not good? Mm. It's a it's an interesting but a controversial question, Ashish, right. as you know, Ashutosh, as you know. So uh, I will I'll try to give you a more technologically sure. scientific balanced perspective. Absolutely. Uh, there are two schools of thought, clearly, right? Uh, I don't want to call them groups or lobbies, but yeah. two schools of thoughts. But as a scientist, right, as an agriculture economist, and a lot of my friends who are plant biotechnologists, plant geneticists, and so on and so forth, who are real experts. But my perspective is simple. No technology by itself is good or bad. Mm. It's how you apply it makes all the difference. But again, mm. the choice um, as a nation, we need to decide on a few parameters. Okay, And one is the state perspective or the national perspective. Other is the individual freedom. Mm. Right? Uh, let's say I'm a consumer. I, I, I'm, I'm indifferent whether I'll eat GM, GM maize or GM rice mm. or GM brinjal then if I'm indifferent to it, I should have the choice. But again, there are um, connotations uh, that is beyond an individual uh, choice framework. There's a national um, connotation. There is health connotation. Mm. There is an ecological connotation. So GMO essentially means that you're getting genes from other crops. Mm. For example, the first GM crop was in cotton. Mm. So what, what the cotton requires a lot of pesticides, tons mm. and tons of pesticides toxic, harmful chemicals you have to spray because of the pink bollworm. That's mm -hmm. the biggest pest for cotton. Uh, so therefore, you, you know, the conventional thing was you keep spraying, spraying, spraying 10 rounds, 15 rounds of spray, toxic mm -hmm. chemicals. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, then, you know, some scientists in the US, they, they found a naturally occurring bacteria, mm -hmm. uh, Bt, you know, Bacillus thuringiensis, in soil. Mm -hmm. And they found that you take the gene of that Bt uh, bacteria and, and implant it in the cotton plant, Mm. It will naturally control the pink bollworm. I see. So, yeah, that was revolutionary when it happened 15, 20, 25 years back. Mm. But you know what? The school, two schools of thought. They say, hey, look, then you're tinkering with the life. Uh, you cannot get uh, organism gene or mm. DNA protein sequence from another organism and put it in plant. Mm. Uh, so now that now now there is another paradigm. It says that look, within the plant itself can be to the tinkering, which is what is happening. So there's interspecies and intraspecies. Okay. And there are people who are very having strong opinions on ecology. They say that it will cause genetic pollution. Mm. 
for example and there's this whole angle of multinationals and mm. and capitalism you yeah. know so there are it's an extremely complex scenario and 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 a controversial topic but i would say that look um, you know it's for the country it's for the citizens of the country to right. to to have a uh, a kind of a, a informed opinion and a debate as to so look for example non edible crops mm-hmm. uh, crops that we don't eat right so for example can can we introduce gm because cotton is largely non edible some parts mm-hmm. of cotton like the cotton seed oil and cotton cake sure. is, is fed mm-hmm. to cattle also but largely it's used for mm-hmm. shirts and fabric you know so it's not edible you don't mm-hmm. eat a cloth but you know what about bt brinjal there's a con bt rice but mm-hmm. you know on the one hand technology offers you a lot of um, advantages of fortifying minerals and vitamins into the crop and making them resistant to pest and disease otherwise which you have to anyway put tons and tons of toxins and chemicals mm-hmm. toxic chemicals you know this and uh, this uh, this famous story about cancer express from punjab to mm-hmm. to delhi all the way so all of this could be avoided but as yes, there are pros and cons one has right. to take a informed opinion and i will rest my case saying that yeah. look no technology yeah, is good or bad it's how you apply it correct no very well said and i must compliment you this is the first time i've heard such a good explanation of uh, the gm seeds so i've got one more question relating to uh, agriculture before i move to your next avatar as a venture partner you also mentioned uh, about uh, organic uh, crops right very briefly right i would love to understand how important is organic farming in our lives and uh, do you see our country gradually moving towards organic farming yes uh, this the answer to the second part is yes mm-hmm. uh, there is already a distinct uh, trend and a movement that is happening in lg for examples at a, mm-hmm. at, a, at a scale mm-hmm. uh, and the first part is yes, organic agriculture is nothing but chemical free agriculture right? uh, so uh, so it's it's very clear what you mm-hmm. are what you eat and there there is very uh, you don't need a scientist to tell you that all the toxic uh, chemicals and pesticides and nutrients fertilizers we are dumping onto the crop on the mm-hmm. ground and the water everything is getting uh, polluted and compromised and ultimately it results in all kinds of um, health issues mm-hmm. uh, right from cancer to deformities and all of that that's well proved okay. so organic agriculture is something that we have if you look at india as a country we have been doing that in uh, since centuries correct it's only in the 60s 50s 60s we started using chemicals to improve the productivity mm-hmm. but now there's i see that this, the the circle is kind of taking a, a turn and we are coming correct. back to it in the last 10 to 15 years mm. there has been a distinct movement on the ground farmers on their own mm. and even consumers if you look at cities like gurgaon mm. bangalore chennai hyderabad mumbai your stores which sells organic products fresh vegetables organic cereals mm. at a premium mm. for example i subscribe to organic vegetables mm. twice a week and i am paying twice the cost apple mm. to apple apple to apple meaning this let's take sure. um, uh, say organic um, tomatoes mm. right Uh, it that costs 80 rupees a kg mm. but a normal one which is grown just the traditional chemical way mm. is 40 rupees mm. i am willing to pay 2x because in my mind i am thinking at least it's the lesser poison and lesser evil right mm. so one you get choice for the consumer but look look at northeast sikkim perhaps is the first state to Correct. be declared mm-hmm. as a organic yeah. completely organic strike and and not only domestic consumption abroad especially in eu japan is a great demand for organically cultivated products and pr- the process also therefore i think the future is organic clearly but we cannot 
say that you know today all of a sudden what we have been doing for 50 years mm. uh, we will forget and there'll be wholesale switch mm. it's not an automatic switch that a turn off and turn on but i see that consumers are becoming trained and you you uh, farmers and the cultivators and producers are reaping benefits of switching to organic cultivation mm. for their own consumption benefit and they're getting a premium in the market as well but it takes 3 to 5 years to switch from a chemical uh, laden process and soil to a organic that switch is difficult but i can give you thousands and hundreds of examples of farmers who switched to chemical free farming successfully Fasc- successfully fascinating fascinating so ravi i'm now going to move to the next segment and i have time for two or three more questions uh, you also mentioned that you are a venture partner right i'd love to understand the role that you play as a venture partner sure uh i turned a senior venture partner with the early stage venture mm-hmm. partner called as ah ventures okay um based on mumbai and uh, i i i put i i kind of uh, i have two hats that i wear at mm-hmm. uh, ah ventures uh, one is as uh, as a senior venture partner we look at promising startups mm-hmm. and try to help them with mentoring and funding right ultimately fundraising is why startups approaches mm-hmm. and uh, my focus uh, as to our ventures is agnostic to the se- sector or vertical of mm-hmm. the startup i personally look at agritech insurtech health tech mm-hmm. and also social impact space i see um, that's one thing where i i look at promising startups try to curate them through a four step mm-hmm. process and help them with funding mm-hmm. and we have various ways in which we fund we do angel funding we do institutional funding we do a permutation combination of both mm-hmm. we have what is called as fast care Uh, where venture partners and ourselves put in our money mm. then we have high tables for 1 million and more up to 10 million where we also co invest with other vcs mm. you know for example so there are multiple options there and uh, that's one hat where i wear the second thing is uh, we just uh, october 15th this year we launched our learning academy mm-hmm. where we are, we are offering um i'll not say courses but where we are offering knowledge sharing sessions mm-hmm. to startup ecosystem uh, where we focus on unconventional not run of the mill topics like design thinking for startups mm-hmm. right agile framework for uh, startups mm-hmm. uh, team dynamics for startup ecosystem where mm-hmm. which is not typical financial modeling or fundraising Uh, and not those kind but there are plenty of those but what it really takes to, to kind of uh, make scale up a startup to make it successful this kind of topics which we launch so i am very active in the learning academy i i am much less at this age interested in deal making and making I understand also but, but yeah. uh, i've got time for my last question and my question to you is that when you wear your hat as uh, you know uh, an agri expert uh you know that anything in agriculture takes time when you wear your hat as an an investor you want returns as quickly as possible yeah you cannot how wait. do you reconcile hmm. the need to uh make an investment and wait for a long time right um so you know that's that's kind of a paradox right uh, ashutosh a wonderful question at that so mm-hmm. you know um smart investors are uh, those investors who know they do the due diligence they understand the sector at least mm-hmm. to the extent that is required before you put the money in mm-hmm. be it your money or institutional money correct so uh, the thing is uh, so therefore we have a set of uh, uh, vcs for example i give the example of omnivore you have omdr you have 
avishkar so mm. you need a different mindset to look at agriculture you're right there is mm. a inherent gestation period you may have a wonderful technology solution but mm-hmm. uh, to validate it and scale it at impact uh, and grow the solution takes time mm. and agriculture itself one has to be patient mm. as well because a lot of factors that are not in your control therefore i think you need to have the right mindset as an investor to say hey look long term doesn't mean 10 15 years no mm. at least 3 years 2 years maybe at the most 5 years but okay. if you have that kind of a horizon 3 to 5 i mm. think uh, you can still get a wonderful irr as much as any other sector retail banking healthcare whatever right so but yeah uh, agri agri tech investing or requires a different uh, mindset one is mm. to patient but uh, i like i always uh, keep hypothesizing the potential is almost infinite absolutely right yeah absolutely wonderful ravi uh, thank you so much it's been such a pleasure speaking to you thank you for taking me through such in so much detail on agriculture the challenges being faced you spoke to us about uh, the genetically modified seeds you spoke about organic farming and then of course you told us your views on investment thank you again and good luck thank you ashutosh likewise it's a pleasure talking to you uh, have a good day bye bye for now bye thank you for listening to the brand called you video cast and podcast a platform that brings you knowledge experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.